Welcome to Season 2 of the Adopted Brothers Podcast. This season, we will be sharing stories that will make you laugh, cry, but most of all, be encouraged. Let's get started. Welcome to the Adopted Brothers Podcast. I'm Gerald. Today, we are going to be talking with Brooke. Brooke, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what your favorite comfort food is? Yes, my name is Brooke Beard. And chocolate is definitely my comfort food. Chocolate <laughs> takes me into another realm. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good one for sure. I love chocolate as well. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to thank you again, Brooke, for coming on our show today. And um, we're just going to start off with, um, we're going to have you share your story and just kind of how it has to do with adoption. Okay. I'll start by saying I'm 65 years old and it's been 29 years since I had my baby. I was newly divorced from my marriage that I got married when I was 18 years old and I was in my early 30s and had been a homemaker so I hadn't really been out in the world working or around people a whole lot in the way that I would be dating or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I made a real poor decision with the the person that I dated, and he ended up being abusive to me. Yeah, so I didn't want him, when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't want him to be involved. And that's Um, 100% understandable. Yeah, so uh, I'd say that was probably one of the main reasons that I decided to adopt. There were other reasons. Part of it was because I was in an unstable place in my life. I didn't want her to be in an unstable environment. I wanted her to be with parents that could give her everything that I couldn't give her. Yes. And I wanted her, her to have a father that would be a stable man. My father wasn't a stable person. He was an alcoholic. And I... That affected my life so much that I wanted her to have a father that could, could give her the stability that only a father can give. Yes, that's huge, definitely in this world today. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually picked a couple that knew the, well, I'll back up a little bit. I, I was in, in a situation where I was newly divorced and I find myself pregnant and it was very difficult for me. I just didn't know how I was going to provide for myself, let alone try to provide for a child. And just everything that goes with, you know, telling your family and and friends that you have an unexpected pregnancy. So there was a lot of shame involved. I didn't want to tell my family. And I was just in in a very, low place and I picked up the phone one night probably about after midnight and called a pregnancy center a crisis pregnancy center okay and um, so I called and I talked to a woman who had been trained to talk to people on the phone the call you know in the middle of the night type yeah of situation she was just the sweetest person it's a, it was a Christian organization and she was a Christian and she just acted like she had all night to talk to me if I needed it. That's awesome. And by the time our conversation ended, she told me that she 
um, wanted me to promise I would contact the, the director at the pregnancy center the next day. So I did. Okay. And um, she was really helpful and, and got me through it. They got me. I was in a situation where I had lost my job, so I didn't have any money. And they helped me pay my rent and pay some of my bills. Wow. I was very despondent at the time, so for someone to help me like that was really a big deal. You know, real Christians doing real, real things. Yeah, exactly. For someone in need. Yes. They helped me uh, find a place to live because I, I actually didn't. I was living with family at the time. Didn't have a place to live. Okay. The couple that was volunteering to help a, a woman in a crisis pregnancy had they had two kids and they were just really wonderful christian people and took me into their home i was very depressed and and was asleep most of the time and they would coax me out of the room have the kids come and tell me that uh, a cup of coffee and breakfast was waiting for me and, and so I they helped me come out of the depression that I was in Whoa. so there was a woman at the pregnancy center the director that knew a couple that wanted to adopt the the father of the child was african-american and I'm white and so they were a biracial couple and they had two sons and wanted to adopt especially since it was I was having a girl so they actually came the wife actually came to the hospital when I was in labor okay. and it's another long story but to make a kind of a long story short they had his mother get real upset that they were going to adopt someone else's baby and I'm never quite sure why, except I'm assuming that maybe it's a cultural thing in the black community that you don't adopt other people's children. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that it's, I, I don't really don't understand where his mom was coming from. But so that it turned out that they didn't adopt my baby. So I thought that was God telling me I was going to keep her. Okay. Okay, so one of the first things that happens when, when you go through an adoption agency is they have to contact the father, if you know who the father is. Well, he was a very controlling, manipulative man and wasn't going to give up custody. Wow. So he said, if I didn't want the baby, then he wanted the baby. Okay, well that makes stuff a lot different then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I just really did a lot of soul searching and, and just trying in a very practical way to figure out if I could provide a home for her or if I was still going to pursue placing her for adoption. And I just really felt like it was God telling me I was going to keep her. So that was kind of where my head was at. Well, he was going to use this as an opportunity to, to try to manipulate and control me. Mm -hmm and said that that he wanted to talk to me while well, I had a restraining order against him and I didn't want to talk to him. I was very intimidated by him. So the woman from the adopt the adoption agency wanted me to meet a couple that wanted to adopt and I was very irritated with her because in my heart I thought well the Lord's trying me to keep the baby 
So why don't you just like go away and leave me alone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, you just have to meet this couple. And so I thought, well, you know, I want to look at every aspect of it, make sure I make the right decision. Yep. So I went ahead and I met the couple, and they were these very loving, wonderful people that really wanted to adopt my baby. Well, at that point, I already had my baby, and the other, since the other couple didn't adopt, I, I was breastfeeding her, and I was oh, wow. taking care of her, and yeah, yeah, because I pretty much decided that I was going to keep her. So I met this other couple, their names are Todd and Kim, and just thought he would be a really wonderful father. That's awesome. It was kind of funny though, because I, I, they weren't really what I had pictured because they were both blonde. Okay. And so it was like, uh, you know, to the lady from the adoption agency, do you remember that the father of my baby's African American? <laughs> Why did you pick a blonde couple? And she said, well, we, we have them, you know, answer a lot of questions and we thoroughly look into how they feel about a biracial child. Okay. And, you know, we've, we've checked them out and, and they we think they would be really good with a biracial biracial child so um that's kind of something i just i just laughed because she showed me a portfolio of their pictures to kind of just help me get to know them before i met them mm -hmm. they had a, a yellow labrador and i'm like these are two blonde people with a blonde <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs> First, uh, first instincts or first sight, like how you can't judge a book by its cover. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Amen. And that was a scripture I felt like God showed me. That's awesome. Is that their heart was their heart was black. Yeah, yeah. Their their hearts <laughs> you know, were matter. You know? <laughs> and, and so they they would love her. That's awesome. So I really was in a dilemma at that point because the father was wanting to take take custody of her so I knew he was going to fight it if I kept her he was going to at least want to see her and to have a role in her life yeah and after abusing me he abused me when I was pregnant I thought well I'm not going to trust him to to take care of uh, you know my daughter no and also, I wanted her to, to have mother and father that were stable people, and I wasn't stable at the time for various reasons. I I had a hard childhood and, and had gone through a really difficult divorce, and I had a tendency toward depression and wasn't really functioning very well. I could have done it. I look back now, and I know I could have done it with the right support system. Yep. But he would have probably been in the picture. And when Whitney, my daughter, that I placed for adoption, and I started our adult relationship when she was in college, we had a, a really sweet encounter one time. We met for coffee, and, and she just really thanked me for the sacrifice that I made to place her for adoption and, and to keep her from being having him in her life. Because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a, a stable 
experience for her to have that. No, and that's such a big a big thing for you to say that I haven't heard a lot of people say, but just the sacrifice that you had to do, and I don't think a lot of people see it from that side um, in adoption, like in the sense of, you know, some situations like mine and Craig's, they kind of really didn't have the option. It's kind of just they had to do it, but... In, in a lot of adoption stories, it's a sacrifice. And for myself, the first thing I thought of is when you said that was that you, it wasn't about you. It was about somebody else. And that's huge because a, a lot of the time for myself, I don't think people do put their kids first in that scenario. They kind of do. But that was like you said, the Christian showing that they actually are about the Lord and they, you know, are, are willing to help people and, and go that extra mile to show the love of Jesus and right there is a huge statement of showing the love of Jesus, of, of willing to put Whitney first, even though you knew, and I know that you could have done it, but you were willing to, to put her first to give her that better chance. So that's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I can remember I, I had a, a bedroom in the basement of the couple's house that took me into their home when I was pregnant, and their our agreement was that I would stay until until I was stable and had made a decision. So I was staying in their home. And I would just rock Whitney in the rocking chair and cry and cry and cry. And that was kind of just what I did. A lot of the time was just sat and rocked her and cried because I knew, I guess, in my heart that I would I would need to place her for adoption and put her in a better situation. And I, and I was taking care of her and I mean, I. Only time she wasn't in my arms pretty much was when I was in the shower. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. And she it was so cute because the the man that lived that I was living in in John and Gretchen or their names, he, he was raised on a farm. He said she sounds just like a little lamb when she cries. <laughs> she didn't really cry, she just sort of made a little you know, a little, little peep type. Yeah. <laughs> kind cool. of sounded like a little baby lamb. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I told the couple, Kim and Todd, that I just really needed some time to think about if I was going to be able to do it or not. The director from the adoption agency, the one that I wanted her to just leave me alone, mm-hmm. she had a friend who had an open adoption with, with two, two different adoptions that came and spoke as a guest speaker at the adoption center. So... Todd and Kim and I went and heard her speak, and I, you know, none of, none of us were familiar with open adoption. Okay. We didn't really know what we were looking at. And this woman that spoke was, was just so enthusiastic about it. She just made it sound like that was the best thing there was, you know, was to do an open adoption. Oh, okay. And Kim and Todd said, you know, of course, they had fallen in love with my beautiful little black baby <laughs> already. Yeah. But, you know, they agree that, that you can't have too many people in your child's life that love them. That's awesome. That yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. So I finally was able, well, finally, yeah, after two months, I had her for two months. Oh, you did? Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, how long you had her. Yeah, yep. yeah. The One of the counselors that I was seeing during my pregnancy suggested that I place her with foster care until I had made a final decision, and I was so glad I didn't do that. I was so glad I kept her, even though it was so hard when I had to give her up. I'm so glad I didn't get her uh, in the foster care system at all because that can be a nightmare, especially for a black a black baby because 
there's a strong leaning toward in foster in, with foster care workers to put a black child with a black family, and I had already picked this the family that I wanted her with, so it would have made it more difficult for me to choose you who know. you wanted to go with. Yeah, yeah, and that's huge. It took me two months, but the middle of March, I had her um, January 29th. In the middle of the March, I was I was ready to go ahead and, and place her with them. I was ready as I could be anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My counselor from the pregnancy center drove me to their home. And, wow. And, yeah. And I said, I want to, I want to, well, they suggested that I take her in their bedroom. They had a rocking chair to say goodbye to her and just spend some time with her. So I, I took her in the bedroom and rocked her and talked to her. I can't remember what I said. Yeah. But, you know, it's a very special said, moment, though, that yeah. you'll remember. Yeah. Not words, but, but how you felt that day. I mean, right. like, I mean, you could probably close your eyes and go back there instantly. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That's so crazy. they finally had to come tell me, Brooke. <laughs> you know, we need to we need to go ahead and leave. You know, so it was. I'm not going to say the hardest thing in my life because it's hard to to measure things that way. Yes. But it was one of the hardest things in my life. It was kind of like the Lord just gave me emotional novocaine. I think to kind of numb. Oh yeah numb me through that oh yeah that and in your i mean you're, you're strong there's no way you couldn't have done it without his strength and right. your own strength as well because i mean to, to have your own child for two months i mean and then have to make the decision that that you wanted you wanted to do something better like i said you you had to you had to make that decision and being a guy or you know anyone i i can't imagine that and i know that had to come with your own strength 100 percent and then as well as with God's strength, because like you said, the Novocaine, you, you wouldn't have been able to do it without him. So, I mean, give yourself credit for that, because, I mean, that's... Thank you. Most people couldn't do that, and I'm saying like 80% couldn't do that. I mean, it was it was su- such a huge sacrifice, a glorious thing. Sad in the same thing, but in the sense of glorious in the same thing, too, in the same sentence, because you did something self- selfless. A lot, a lot of people don't do that, so... I applaud you for doing that, Brooke. I really do. <laughs> Either or, Thank but you. for doing that, I really do. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So I, when I came out of the bedroom, I Kim stepped toward me and and I said, no. I said I actually wanna, I want Todd to take her. I said because the one of the biggest reasons I'm I'm placing her with you is because I want her to have a daddy. I want her to have a father. So I just wanna, I want Todd to take her. You know. And I don't know, I, I, I imagine that was maybe a really hard thing um, for Kim to hear. But when you're in a situation like that, you know, yeah. you don't think about other people's feelings. Nope. You're just thinking, this is what I need to do. Yeah. And well, Todd started crying. Because it was so powerful. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's just right there that made me get goosebumps. Because yeah. I mean, it's when stuff's real. I mean, it's real. That's just what it is. That's just it's so cool. The power of Jesus and and when something is real, when it's real, it's people will step back. And it wasn't for myself hearing that. That's not rude. It was that's pretty awesome. That powerful again that you would say something like that. Yeah, yeah. It really was. Yeah. Well, I knew how important it was to have a father because I because my dad wasn't a good father. I mean, he loved me and I loved him, but he was an alcoholic. You know, so he couldn't really be the kind of father I needed. Yep. 
I guess just in the story, what was a pivotal moment? I guess how long did you go before you did see her again? Was that like something that you saw weekly or was it monthly or? Well, you know, I just you have... remembered something my my friend told me years years later that, okay. that I said to her. I called her the next morning, and I said, "What have I done?" Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was regretting it. I said, I know what I've done. I've I've provided my baby with a daddy. Yep. And she reminded me that I'd said that I didn't remember. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and he's a wonderful man. I mean, no man's perfect. No man is a perfect father, no matter how wonderful they are. But anyone who meets Todd knows he's an exceptional, very dedicated Christian man and puts his his all into being the best man that that God can help him to be. That's awesome. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> yeah. And they have a real good relationship. They joke around a lot, and so it's fun to watch watch them banter. <laughs> you know? That's cool. Yeah. Well, that's very yeah. cool. And now Todd lives for being the grandpa. He and Kim both are just like gaga over their grandbabies. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. After you did, like you were just talking about, made the decision to give her over to them, how was that kind of worked out to see her and to still be a part of her life? How did you guys, was that something that you guys worked out or is that something that you guys like worked out with the courts that like, cause you were still in her life. Was that something that you like saw her once a month or was that something that you just, you. Well, we, I kind of just, you know, I knew I had to step back and let Todd and yes. him, you know, take the wheel. Yep. And so they were just really sweet about it, including me. And they, I don't remember how soon it was. Okay. It was it was maybe a couple of weeks or a month. Okay. I really don't remember that well. I, I never thought I'd forget all the details. I wish I would have written them all down. I would meet with them, maybe not as intimately as I would have liked. At first, we kind of just met in public places. And then over the years, as we got to know each other better, we would go. I would go to their home. Okay. But uh, they're both very gracious people and just included me. And then I, I have a daughter, Hillary, and she was 12 when Whitney was born. And a son, Christopher, who was nine when Whitney was born. They've always included us as family in her life. Oh, that's amazing. So she knows them as her brother and sister. That's awesome. Yeah. That's another step by that that you picked a good family because doing that type of stuff again is it's more than it's more than gold. It's more than anything when somebody accepts you for who you are. Things happen. Life happens. So it's like good to to, to know that God gives grace. But then when you get grace from other people, it, I mean, it's it's so powerful. So yes. powerful. Yes, it is. Yeah, and then the couple that took me into their home are still my friends to this day. Oh, wow, that's you know, awesome. We're, we're family, too. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. She had a son. She was pregnant, so she had a son at the time that I had Whitney. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember. I think I had Whitney in January, and she had her son in April. So they were close. Yeah, so she was going through being pregnant at the time I was going through all this, which I'm sure was extremely emotional for her. You know, mm-hmm. I was so nervous about moving in with these people that I didn't even know. Oh, you know, it, it was such a big and, and it's so humiliating to to need help. 
Yes. Especially as an adult, I was 35 years old. And in my mind, I should have been a, a well-established adult by that time. You know, and I needed help with a place to live and food to eat. And they just were the type of Christian people who, who just, I mean, like John's helped a homeless man on the street before get on his feet and they're just that kind of people yeah they do stuff with you you see here about in the bible they actually live it which is extremely hard to do talking for myself that it's easy to go to church and do stuff like that but to actually step out of your comfort zone <laughs> is a is a different kind of faith that that's why you have to follow and, and practice your faith because once you get to that level that's definitely you know a level to to look forward to getting to what that's it's unbelievable when people do that type of stuff because that's stuff that you inspire to do for sure. Right. right. Yeah. So who encouraged you, Brooke, or inspired you? As you said, the family that lets you move in, uh, definitely I know they inspired you. But kind of if you would like to talk about that through that hard time as well as getting over that, who were your big encouragements? Well, um, yeah, John and Gretchen definitely were. They had three little ones. I think I might have said two earlier, but they had three. Okay. They had two boys and a girl. And that was good for me to be around their children, too. And um, their children were real comfort to me at that time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I remember Anna was about two. She was old enough to talk. So she was probably about two and a half. And, and the day after I placed Whitney with Todd and Kim, she comes in. And she looks at the baby's bed and she said, where's the baby? And that was so Ooh, that, Oh, yeah, that was like a yeah, tearjerker like, immediately. Yeah. Like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. But their, their whole family was sad for me and definitely there for me. And then just my faith in the Lord, I guess, knowing that the Lord was with me, even when I wasn't being a perfect Christian, even when I wasn't meeting up to my standards for myself. As a Christian, and you know, just really saw that the Lord was with me, even though I may I didn't feel like it at times, and definitely didn't feel like I I had a a definite word from Him what I was supposed to do. I just kind of went with what I logically thought was was a good thing on one hand, and then in my heart what I thought was the right thing on the other hand. So I kind of used my faith in the Lord and and what I felt was really the, the best thing. Yeah, for sure. Me. Oh, one, one thing that I think is pretty awesome is that um, I told you that, that the father had decided he was going to try to get custody. Yeah, that's I was going to ask you about that. Because uh, with that being said, are you still able to give him up for adoption? If one well, of the parents... The couple that I placed her with had to hire lawyers and... The fact that I went ahead and placed her with them helped a lot. Okay. But it, when it went to court, it could have gone either way. Okay. So it was a really, really big deal that I guess there had been a law. I can't remember exactly what it was, but there had been a law change recently that really affected his ability, the judge's ability to take the rights away, the parental rights away from him. Okay. And so it, it was one of those things where there was a lot of prayer okay. um, and a lot of sweat and tears yeah. <laughs> because it could have gone to where he would have given him custody. And then it would have been out the window. It would have been 
Uh, well, oh. at that point, I probably would have maybe left the country. Okay. I don't. I I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> it's like there'd have been different things happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't gonna let him have my baby. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I would have done whatever I had to do. That's awesome. Know, raised her in another. You know. <laughs> in, Jamaica or something. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> something. Mother's love. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But the yeah, the the um judge took his parental rights away from him. Wow. When, and he even had a lawyer and tried to make him Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He was one of those guys that is real very egotistical and narcissistic and controlling and manipulative and thinks pretty highly of himself and I think he went in there like a rooster thinking he was gonna you know had it had it his way you know and he could be a pretty good con but but the judge saw through it nice Jesus (laughs) that's awesome that's a that's a good story that's a the fight of Jesus and knowing that another, you know, I would say in my head, like the check mark type thing, like knowing you, you went the right way. Cause like you said, a lot of the time when we have feelings and, and do certain things, you don't know if it's like, Oh, you know, am I really following, you know, Jesus or is this kind of my own desire? But I mean, that goes back to praying and, and, you know, and, and listening and doing stuff like that, not just, just going out there and doing it. So that's super powerful. Uh, knowing that, uh, just in, even in situations like that, that God was still working in your favor. And this uh, shows once again through hard times and through all those stuff that you can see his glory. Amen. 100% through your story. I see his glory and as well as I see your strength and um, your dedication to Jesus. Because I know from my own story, I know Craig's story as well. We've had those days where it's dark. It's really, really dark. And you have to put your name in the in the blank and you kind of write your own story. And your choice and your decision on how you're going to write that. And which, like you said, it could have went a whole different whole different way but because you made decisions and you took action and didn't try to do it fully in your own self it's an incredible story and i feel the happiness of whitney uh through your story as well as just the really uh the testimony in your story for myself on those dark days and and you know days when it gets hard to know that don't forget whose you are and don't forget that you're not fighting alone Amen. But yeah. Well, and one other thing um, with that is, is uh, had I put her in foster care, it probably would have been easier for him to get her. But because I kept her, and then I placed her with the couple I wanted her to be with, that protected her from the foster care system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, just all them, those little things. That's yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. cool. It's very cool. Yeah. I'll probably pray us out. We. Really want to thank you again for coming on the show, telling your story. It was really uh, amazing, and I, like I just said, it was uh, definitely a encouragement. And I just can't wait for us for other people to hear it and get that um, sense of encouragement as well. And I'm just gonna pray us out. So I just okay. want to, uh, <laughs> I just want to thank you, Jesus, uh, for Brooke, and I want to thank you for myself. I want to thank you for giving Brooke the encouragement and the strength to tell her story, as well as I just want to. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for giving her the strength and the courage and uh, the peace uh, to do what she had to do to be selfless. We thank you for Whitney and uh, just all that she does. Uh, We thank you for uh, taking the time today and just giving us the time to be able to share the story and, you know, be able just to be together in the moment. And we put you on high. We thank you for everything you do. 
And in your name we pray. Amen.